0: Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Come on, let's lift our hands.
1: Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated in the house of the Lord. Open your Bible to Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. I'm going to continue a topic I began teaching on last Sunday that, uh, for whatever reason, has become a controversial one. And I, I just want you to know, I don't, I don't, it is never my goal to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. There, there are things in the Bible that have become points of controversy that, that I'm not certain should be, at least in the kingdom. And so you're here on a Sunday morning. I'm assuming you want to know what the Bible says. So uh, for us, you know, church is is something that that we do it is a place that we go but it is also sub- is also supposed to be what we are yeah. the Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost everybody say holy ghost, holy ghost. everybody say holy ghost. holy ghost the Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that means that you're supposed to be in dwelt, you're supposed to have the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you. And for, for generations, um, the church has, has been divided, um, or at least for decades in America, the church has been divided along a, a line that, that I'm not here to talk about any church. I'm just here to talk about Jesus. Our vision is to love people and point them to Christ, but I'm going to give a definition, uh, of what I would just call spirit filled. And in, in the church world in general, you kind of divide churches into what, what somebody would call spirit-filled churches and what somebody might, uh, just not describe in that manner. Um, years ago, it would be called full gospel. Um, and, and the, the element of full gospel would, would take into account the, the things, uh, of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. And so, Any church in America, if you said, are you spirit-filled, I mean, there's not going to be a church that says no, or there probably isn't, but so I want to give like a little bit of a definition of what I'm indicating. I'm not trying to call a church one way or the other, but the indication that I want to talk about is churches that operate in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, the way that uh, 1 Corinthians itemizes the gifts of the Spirit, the way that the book of Acts speaks of the gifts of the Spirit, and in particular... Uh, there are nine gifts of the Spirit spelled out in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, okay? So in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, there's a, a listing, if it were, of nine different spiritual gifts. Uh, one is the gift of uh, wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. And, and it also doesn't just indicate, it doesn't call these gifts, it doesn't only call these gifts. It calls these manifestations of the Spirit. So there can be a manifestation of wisdom. You can all of a sudden have an ability to do a thing that you couldn't do. How many of you, whenever you started serving God, you just had some wisdom hit your life? Uh, Next could be a manifestation of a word of knowledge. An example of that would be when you know something you could not know otherwise. So something is dropped in your mind, uh, in your spirit, and you're able to communicate that. A lot of times... Uh, a minister that is, that is operating in the gifts of the spirit can, can receive a word of knowledge or a person can receive a word of knowledge and then it'll make you listen to the next words out of their mouth because there's no way they could have known what they just said without some, uh, without some, uh, higher, uh, authority d- delivering that information. That would be an example of, of a word of knowledge. Another one would be a manifestation of supernatural faith. The gift of faith rising up on the inside of you. Uh, there, there is there's everyday faith. And then sometimes God just gives you a new measure of faith for a certain, for a certain cause or a time. Uh, there's gifts of healing. You know, uh, when, when, when you pray and the person that you're praying for, whether it's yourself or otherwise, uh, for whatever reason, you don't see an immediate manifestation of the healing. Your job is to continue to stand on the word of God. But there are gifts of healing where healing can just manifest. Uh, working of miracles, prophecy. Uh, discerning of spirits or discernment these are the several different gifts but there's two other ones and and these are the two that, that they just really get like not many people are are not many people are without opinion on these next two okay tongues and the interpretation of tongues now that where it talks about in one corinthians 12 it doesn't just say tongues it talks about diverse tongues there okay and because when it's making this list and you can read it somewhere around verse six or seven, you can read it. It's talking about the manifestation of the things of the spirit for the effectively for the benefit of everybody around. Right. So when healing breaks out, it should benefit everybody around. Does that make sense? Uh, when, when prophecy breaks out, it should benefit you. You know, if, if 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 somebody's constantly saying stuff and you just know that it's not right, and maybe they even give some timelines and the timelines don't work out, sooner or later you got to start questioning whether or not they heard from God or whether or not they ate they ate beans last night. But these. These reflections of these manifestations of the Spirit are for everybody, the benefit of everybody, okay? So when it talks about diverse tongues, it's different types of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. When I am speaking in tongues for the benefit of everybody, there's going to need to be an interpretation, So that means that if somebody is praying in an unknown tongue or delivering a word in an unknown tongue, there needs to be an interpretation of what was just said, or all of us are going to have no clue what they just said. Where these nine gifts are referenced right here, they are talking about the manifestations of the spirit, but in Acts chapter number two and several other places, but in Acts chapter number two, there's a discussion of a baptism where the Bible says they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. And that element of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being able to pray in an unknown tongue is not exactly the same manifestation of diverse tongues with an interpretation of tongues. So when you pray in tongues, and it is a personal prayer, the Bible says your spirit prays. One translation says, listen to this, your spirit by the spirit prays. The Bible talks about your spirit uh, praying the perfect will of God, uh, praying out mysteries, but, but it is not necessarily what's being talked about here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, where it talks about those diverse tongues with interpretations following it, because that's to benefit everybody. That would be like a minister coming up or, or somebody prophesying that is for the benefit of the people that are hearing it. If you're just standing and talking and speaking in tongues, but there's never an interpretation, but you're trying to communicate to that, son- to, s- to somebody else, you're actually talking, spiritual things to natural ears and natural ears do not understand spiritual things lest there is an interpretation when it comes to speaking in other tongues are you still with me so when it comes to to churches and again i'm just talking nowadays i've been in church for about 40 years And and so I've seen it. I'm not trying to call one church another, but there are churches that, that believe in speaking in tongues and practice it. And there are churches that do not. Just so you're aware, you are sitting in church or you are watching a church right now that believes in speaking in other tongues and practices that. Many people believe or say they believe a thing, but they do not do the thing. The book of James says, do not be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer also. So I say it like this, and I'm not trying to be too strong. But if you say you believe it, you should do it. If you say you believe it, you should do it or you should pursue it. So let's talk about pursuing it. There are churches... There are churches that that, that speak in other tongues and those that do not. Do I think the ones that do not speak in other tongues are bad churches? Absolutely not. But what I am concerned about is whether or not it comes from a place of... I don't mean ignorance in 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 a... Like to call a name, I just mean a lack of information, whether it comes from a lack of information or it comes from a place of trying to keep people comfortable... Because here's the challenge with that. The Bible defines everything for Christians. It does not define everything for everybody else if they don't want to live by it. But it defines everything for Christians. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost actually is the comforter. So if you are trying to leave an element out or to the wayside for the sake of comfort, you have actually ripped the comforter off the bed and are still trying to stay warm. Because the comforter is the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is not the temple of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to get into semantics. One is three, three is one, I get it. For anybody to say Jesus lives in my heart, there's nothing wrong with that in the big picture. But Jesus said, I'm going, and then I'm sending. He did not say I'm going and then I'm going to come live in your heart and come and live on the temple that is you. He said I am going to prepare a place for you and if I go I will send the comforter and if I don't go I cannot send the comforter. So he sends the comforter to be on the inside of you and unfortunately you don't get to dictate what the Holy Spirit is like. You have to either believe the Bible or don't believe the Bible. But stop starting any conversation like this. Well, I just feel like blank. Or for me, it's more like blank. It's not about you, precious. It's about the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Father is in heaven seated, seated at, on the throne, uh, seated next to him is the Son of God. Jesus is there preparing a place for you and me. And the fact that he went, he said, I go and I will return again for you. But he's going to send the Holy Spirit, which is called the Comforter. So if we decide to remove the things of the Spirit that we do not like, we are effectively asking the Holy Spirit to show up, but we want the Holy Spirit to shut up. Let me ask you a question. If you were invited to a party and they said, they said you're going to love it. It's all for you. But I want you to sit in the corner and keep your mouth shut. Would you want to go to that party? This is what happens with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's some trip hazards, okay? Okay. Some trip hazards are you got to have wisdom and, uh, excuse me, you have to have spirit and truth. So if you got a bunch of people that are running around without a lot of truth, and the truth is the Word. Come on, somebody. Jesus said He's the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says the beginning was the Word. Uh, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. So the Bible is the Word. Jesus is the Word. So you got to have the Word and you have to you have, to have uh, truth, which is the Word, and you have to have the Spirit. But if you have a bunch of people that all they have is the Spirit and no Word, this is basically why Paul wrote a bunch of his letter to churches. Because they had a real encounter, but they didn't have any doctrine to go with it. They had real manifestations of the spirit of God, but they didn't have any doctrine to go with it. They didn't realize that when they prayed in tongues, they weren't talking to men. They weren't talking to people when you pray in tongues. So if you have a group of people and, and there's not a lot of truth, but there's a whole bunch of spirit, you could walk in and it could just be chaos. And then another element is you can just have chaos. Where you got, right over here we got, and nobody understands anything that anybody's saying. But then the second thing, you can have a place that refuses to correct it because of fear. Fear at its root comes from a lack of information. Because the minute you're informed on a topic, you're not scared of it anymore. Money's one of the scariest things in the world till you figure out how to make it work for you instead of working for it. And it was information that got you there. How do I handle money? How do I talk about money? How do I do this? You know, uh, 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 weapons are are terrifying if you don't know anything about them, but the minute that you're informed on them, now they become a tool. It's the same thing. So a lot of times people, they they, they know a little bit of the Bible so they know that you're not supposed to quench the spirit so they're afraid to stop something that's out of order and the person who is out of order, they may be ignorant, not from a negative standpoint, but they may just be feeling something and not realizing that the spirit of a person is subject to that person. You can stop talking any doggone time you want to stop talking. So you're out there acting like a fool, not you, the person next to you. You're out there acting like a fool. The minister's scared to quench the spirit, so the entire thing turns into chaos, and the devil's over there just eating popcorn going, would you look at these lunatics just praying in the spirit, no truth. No, 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 no. And so now you have uh, the opportunity for a massive move of God that is, that is, that is uh, uh, slowed down or derailed because there's no truth. But as soon as you get some, some biblical wisdom, now all of a sudden you understand everything needs to be done in order. And here's my scenario as a minister. I would rather embarrass you than I would have to explain to God why I let a hundred people be run out of a church building because one person started feeling fanatical. Let me give you an example. I was in service here. It wasn't too long ago. It was probably five years ago, give or take. We just got this building and we were praying for people and this lady was up here and she, uh, she was praying. I turned my microphone off and I said, what can I pray for you about? And, and she said, she said, well, this, that, and the other. She's strung out on drugs. I'm not happy about it. It's just the way it was. And, and, and the service is moving on. So I pray for her to get delivered. Service is moving on. All of a sudden she wants to start giving a message in tongues. I said, no, ma'am, hush up now. I said it politely first. And then I I made sure that she understood there was not a negotiation here. He said, why would you do that? Well, let me ask you something. If it was important to you, would you want somebody you've never met that you know is currently on drugs explaining it to your child? Or do you want to explain it to your child? In this scenario, New Heights Church, I don't mind telling you, I'm giving my whole life for this thing. I uprooted my family, brought us over here. We didn't know one human in the whole county. And God's just making a way where there's no way. None of this is a complaint. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to enunciate my commitment level is extremely high. Yeah. So it's not like God's going to sit there and try to bring that information through somebody who has no commitment. Right. Didn't do one thing to get anybody in this building. Didn't fast, didn't pray, didn't nothing. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden it's going to come through a different source of somebody who's been here for the very first time. This goes back to discerning of spirits. All these things have to work together. And once you get them in order, now you can have spirit and truth, truth and spirit. So churches, the, 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 a lot of times they, they get so, uh, they get so, uh, cause it, it's easy to get emotional in it as well. You get, you get very emotional in the things of the spirit and that's not a negative thing. But what happens, you get very emotional and then people are afraid to, to stop it out of, out of ignorance or out of, out of fear of quenching the spirit. Or then B, you just let it run and you don't understand the power of life and death is in your mouth. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You got all these people that are hearing something that maybe it was God, maybe it wasn't. But 100% it's out of order. It doesn't matter where you go. Start them in preschool. What's the first thing they got to learn to do? Get in line. Why? Because you can't just go in a herd everywhere. There's got to be some order. There has to be some order to everything you do. Who in here goes to work tomorrow morning? Just wave at me. Did they tell you just be here when you feel like it? You got a, you got a meeting? First thing they need to know is what time. Why? Because there has to be some order to this stuff. I'll show up when I show up. If you're not there, you're wrong. What are you even talking about? How can that work? There has to be order. I'll see you at three. Okay, great. I will see you at three. Now we have agreement. Once we have agreement and we have order, now we can communicate. And once we communicate, we can do more together. Come on somebody. Then we can do separate. But all this stuff has to it has to work together, but you can't like like I believe in I believe in God, but I also believe in people. I believe you can change. The reason I believe it is because the Bible says it, and the reason I believe it is because I have changed. And some people were bold enough to tell me this stuff When it wasn't popular to the world. They were bold enough to do it in front of me. At the risk of reputation. At the risk of everything else. Because at the end of the day. Either the Bible's true or it's not. I know that it is true. I stand on that and I believe it. But just because somebody else is not comfortable with a section of it. That doesn't give us the legal right to tear that out. First Corinthians chapter number 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Who's ever heard that? Who's ever heard that at a wedding? The next wedding you go to, you're going to hear it again. That is coupled between first Corinthians 12 and first Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit, itemizes them, and discusses them. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about the operation of them. 1 Corinthians 13 tells you that everything is greased by love. Amen. So the most popular chapter in the Bible read at a wedding is sandwiched or Oreo cookied. Come on, somebody. Between tongues and Tongues. It's sandwiched between the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Now, here's the other side of it. I'm talking about this right now. Maybe you have a background with the things of the Holy Spirit similar to how I'm talking, and you're feeling very energized. It is also very possible that you don't have a background like this, And, and, and it's stimulating some thought, but discussing this doesn't really make you uncomfortable. It is operating in this that makes you uncomfortable. Not you, just somebody. So that's another one of the reasons a lot of times places will teach a thing, but they won't necessarily do a thing. Because the minute you start to operate in it, now that's when, the, that's when that level of discomfort that the world doesn't want to have. Listen, give me everything I want, but I just don't, don't rock my boat. Don't mess with my belief system. Don't mess with what my mama said. Don't mess with what my dad said. Don't mess with what my cousin said. Your mom and dad might have been right, but they might have been wrong. And if you're constantly living by, well, this is how I was raised, then you're just going to perpetuate every mistake that was in generations above you. Take the good stuff. You know, I think it was Kenneth Hagin, he used to say, uh, uh, eat the hay, spit out the sticks. You no, know, eat the meat, spit out the bones, that kind of thing. So take the stuff from, your, from, your, from the generations above you that were good, but stop holding fast to things that might be contrary to the word when you learn them. First uh, 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 Acts chapter number one, real quick. Until, verse two, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, this is Jesus is talking about Jesus. After he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse three, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion. That was whenever he was killed and tortured. By many infallible proofs being seen of them for 40 days. Listen to this. Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them. Commanded them. Commanded them. That they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father. Verse 5. For truly uh, John baptized with water. But you also but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Jesus commanded them to wait until they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm from East Texas. I don't overthink things. Hammer, nail, hit it, done. If He commanded them to be filled with the Spirit, why is it ever taught optional why is it ever discussed different than this why do we believe first corinthians 13 everything about love that is so beautiful and gushy but then we we explain away first corinthians 12 and 14 or we just skip it not us i'm just talking about the body of christ is it possible that we're running around like firemen without a fire hose? We know what to do, but don't have the tools to do it. Because when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, a power comes on you and lives in you that you do not have if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. So what happens is we, we, we leave people... Fighting without all the resources that God says you're going to need to fight with. And and now you have a population of Christians that they're going to go to heaven. They love God 100%. But one third of God, the Holy Spirit, is effectively told the only way you can speak is if you do it in my head. So I can say something inside me said blank, blank, blank which you can see a couple of examples of in the Bible, but you are not allowed to speak the way that Jesus said you're going to speak. You are not allowed to pray for me the way that the Word says you will help my spirit pray. You're not allowed to do that. So now we're going through life with the same set of issues that the world does, with the same set of problems and trying to fight the same problems with the same tools that the world has instead of going through life with the literal fire of God on the inside of you. This is why it's been so hard for you. Because you're doing it without the fire. When you get born again, it is possible to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And I'll just say this, Because we had a great question and answer session Wednesday night. Matter of fact, it might be worth your time to go watch Wednesday night service because I just opened the floor. I said, anybody has a question about the Holy Spirit? You know, ask it out. And I thought it'd take a couple of minutes, ended up taking the whole doggone service. Because there's a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit because it's very seldom, he's very seldom taught on. So, uh, uh, what happens though, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, a different fire comes on you, a different power comes on you. But being baptized in the Spirit is not a requirement for you to be saved. That is not true. One of the questions that came up, a young lady said that she was raised in a church that says, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, effectively, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't go to heaven. That is not true. Matter of fact, open your Bible to Acts chapter 19 real quick. Are you guys still with me this morning? We're just learning about the Holy Spirit this morning. Acts 19 and 1. It came to pass when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having crossed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and found certain disciples. And he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So can we just all agree... That they believed in Jesus. So his question was, Since you believed, since the time of your believing, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit, a Holy Ghost. In other words, there is a massive group of Christianity on the planet walking around because they have not heard of the Holy Spirit in the context of baptism and in filling. And because they haven't heard, they haven't received. Now, everybody that hears will not necessarily receive. But that's no different than when Jesus was walking around. Lots of people heard Jesus talk and left him. Matter of fact, you if you're an active evangelist if you are actively witnessing to people and you should be there are going to be a lot of people over the course of your life that do not believe in jesus even after you tell them all about him that's just the way of it i wish it was different it is not you will witness to some people they will get born again they will get filled with the holy spirit their whole life will be different they'll cry every time that they see you and they'll they'll send you a fruitcake every christmas because you helped get them saved And there will be others that will tell you uh, just there's no way. You know what? I got a guy right now. I've been witnessing to him for six years. And he's starting to get hostile with me. Because he doesn't like me witnessing to him anymore. But I don't have anything else to talk about. I like the Dallas Cowboys, but I don't care about them that much. So what happens is people are left without the Holy Spirit because they haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says a few a few verses later that Paul laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. So the church has to make a decision. Do we want the world's version of comfort, which is tell me what I want to hear, don't say anything too weird, don't let anything happen that I can't explain? Or do we want the actual comforter? Do we want the world's version of comfort, which is my bills are paid, everything's good, you know, uh, uh, I'm, no ripples, everybody everybody at work loves me. Can, can I say it differently? The Bible said uh, that Jesus walked around and he said, you got to understand guys, people hate me and they're going to hate you. If nobody hates you, For love's sake and for the gospel's sake, you aren't doing it right. You're not standing out enough. I'm not trying to tell you, go be hated. What I'm trying to tell you is be known for Jesus, him crucified, the power of his resurrection, the goodness of the Bible, and be known for being a spirit-filled individual. You don't have to walk through the grocery store praying in tongues, but it doesn't hurt. (laughs) If if you have a friend and you say they are your friend and another friend comes over and you tell the first friend, go wait in the closet until they leave. What, What is causing you to keep your friend that never leaves you hidden from the one who will drop you like a bad habit if you say something they don't like. Why are we keeping the power of God relegated? I'll tell you why. It's because the Holy Spirit is so powerful that the devil himself fights the concept of letting people know about him. That's why they weren't filled. It's not that they weren't filled because they didn't want to be filled. They weren't filled because they hadn't heard about him. The Bible says, how can people hear if there's not a preacher? Somebody's just got to stand up and say, I've seen some wacky stuff. I've seen some really awesome stuff. But I'm telling you, before God, the Holy Spirit is real. He will fill you. You can speak with other tongues. You can prophesy. And when you do, the fire of God that comes on your life will never be quenched. I can't offer you A thousand different great ideas. But I can tell you what this book says. I can tell you that the God of heaven and earth who was willing to send his own son to pay the price for you was also willing to send the spirit of God to comfort you in a radically plagued society. I pray for our country, I pray for our state, I pray for this, all of it. But I've also read the end of the Bible. Like there's a lot of things that the world's going to go through that are not pleasant. And if you go through it without the comforter, if you go through it without the comforter, you're going to be going ill-equipped. Will you still go to heaven if you believe Jesus died, rose from the dead? You've repented of your sins? Call Him Lord? 100% yes. But being filled with the Holy Spirit lets you drag some of heaven into this environment. Being filled with the Holy Spirit lets you pray the mysteries of God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit lets the Spirit get an agreement with your spirit your spirit get in agreement with the holy spirit and pray the perfect desire or will of god for your life we can't keep going status quo church i'm not talking about new heights we've been a we've been a tongue talking church since before we had a service and it's not all about speaking in tongues but of the nine gifts of the spirit that i read tongues and the interpretation of tongues are the only two that were not in existence before jesus died that means jesus had to die for us to access it the reason is is because in your life there's only been four eternity altering moments the life of every human The first one is when humanity was created. And and, and in verse 1 and 2, chapter 1 and 2 of of, of the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God breathed into man. Humanity had the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside. Genesis chapter number 3, humanity lost it all because of the enticement of sin. And the Holy Spirit no longer resided was no longer able to reside on the inside of mankind the reason is because sin stains sin pollutes so in genesis 1 and 2 particularly genesis 2 genesis 2 humanity was clean outside and inside so the clean spirit of god could come and clean come and dwell in a clean vessel but as soon as the vessel was marred now all of a sudden that which was clean had to leave that's why Jesus said, if I go, I'll send him. The first eternity-altering event was when we were made and filled. The second one was when we lost it. The third eternity-altering event, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no atonement. There's no payment. It said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Jesus died sinless for you and me. And in, in Genesis 3, Sin stained humanity. But when Jesus died, he removed the stain of sin from you and me. Now we're clean again. Those of us who believe you're the righteousness of God in Christ, your insides have been scrubbed white as snow by the spotless blood of Jesus Christ. The fourth eternity altering event took place in Acts chapter number two when now there was 120 people in a room that were no longer in this condition stained by every one of their actions or inactions but rather now they have been cleansed atoned by the spotless blood of the Lamb now they are a candidate to have happen in in their life what took place in Genesis when the Spirit of God through the nostrils of God was breathed into humanity and in Genesis chapter 2 it happened and then in Acts chapter 2 it happened again the Spirit of God breathed on 120 people and they were filled with the power of God and they weren't filled just for them. That has a lot of benefits to being filled with the Spirit of God but they were filled with the Spirit of God so they could give Him away. I love the fact that laying on of hands is one of the catalysts for people being filled with the Holy Spirit because it means the God in me will get inside of you if you will receive Him. Mankind was made and filled. Mankind lost it and was stained. The stain was removed and mankind has the opportunity to be filled once again. If you're going through life without this beautiful baptism of the Spirit, I want to pray for you this morning. I want you to know in just a minute I'm going to speak in other tongues. If you've never seen that, you're about to see it. But I also want you to know I can stop anytime I want. I can start anytime I want. I was at I was at the Houston Astros game on, on Friday, and we're standing in a long line. Walker said, I don't like it here too much, Dad. It was outside, it was raining, you know. Downtown Houston is a little bit different environment than College Station, Texas. I said, It's all right, man. We're we're, we're just here. He goes, No, I don't mind it. He says, it just feels different. He said, he had his, his, his mask on, how oh, to wear masks in there. He said, he said, I'm just praying in tongues. That's what I'm talking about Little buddy I pray in tongues anytime you want to I pray in tongues All day pretty much I was going to do it today But I really don't have time Just to kind of give you some of the key factors And features of speaking in tongues Some of the things it does for you I'll give you one though The Bible says when you pray in tongues Yourself is built up That means all of you does not just mean your spirit it means your whole self is built up your weaknesses are prayed for when you pray in tongues one translation says we pray mysteries which can indicate can also be translated over to divine secrets did you know in Genesis 1 God spoke everything into existence he called everything into existence and then after that it's been mankind talking ever since because God gave power and authority, dominion and authority to mankind. That means your mouth, when he said you have the power of life and death in it, it wasn't just a cute phrase. It meant when you talk, you have dominion in this atmosphere now because God gave dominion to mankind and authority to mankind. So even when you pray it in a tongue that you don't understand, you activate the will of God in this atmosphere because God needs a man, a person to say it that's what the whole deal of dominion and authority is about it's you taking up that rightful place and saying what God said or what God would say that's why it's so important to watch what you say the minute you go around talking about well I'm probably going to lose that I'm probably going to this, you are literally prophesying your future or you can walk around and say though he slay me yet will I serve him I'm blessed coming in blessed going out blessed in the city blessed in the field everything I touch will prosper if anything's stolen from me it's going to come back sevenfold cough, cough I'm not feeling good I'm healed by the stripes on Jesus' back so it's the same thing when you're praying in tongues you're praying the perfect will of God into this atmosphere which is necessary for it to manifest in this atmosphere. Notice Jesus didn't think the fig tree to death. He didn't say, if you'll think hard enough, the mountain will be removed. He said, if you'll say to the mountain. You know why he said it that way? Because some of y'all aren't very good thinkers. Just kidding. Just kidding. The power of life and death is in your mouth. say what you want to see and in the big picture we don't know everything that we need but God does so when we pray in the spirit by the spirit the the perfect will of God spills into this atmosphere and the ministering angels that have been assigned to keep you from dashing your foot against the stone began, begin to respond to the perfect will of God that is coming out of the mouth of a blood-bought born again righteous believer that holds the dominion and authority that was granted to mankind in the book of Genesis. Now, things start moving out of your way. You start walking with a wake in front of you. Doors start flying open. Other doors start closing. Why? Because you prayed the will of God instead of just what you can think of. How many of you ever had the idea, I'd pray more if I knew what to pray? I just don't know what to pray. I just don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. That's how I feel like all the time. I don't know what to pray. When I know what to pray, it's easy. Just pray it. But most of the time, I don't know what to pray. Why? Because I don't know the perfect will of God in every situation. And it's not my job to know it. It's my job to know what I know through the glass that I'm looking through that is a little bit blurry. We see through a glass darkly, the Bible says.
0: I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you. Ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media.